The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. You're welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock. And given the Eurovision semi finals are on tonight and Ireland uh, in contention, it is my great pleasure to welcome to The Hard Shoulder for the Thursday interview this week, one Linda Martin. Linda, it is great to talk to you. How are you? I'm very well, Kieran. How's yourself? Ah, sure. Look, I'm not. I'm not too bad, Linda. I'm not too bad. All the better for for speaking to you. I mean, I, 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 let me add before we talk about your own Eurovision journey and a certain anniversary that took place this week. I mean, yeah, are you are you ex- right. excited for the semi final tonight? Well, well, I am because because obviously because Brooke uh, Scullion's in it, and I'm hoping for the very best for her. But unfortunately, I won't be able to see it tonight because I'm working. When I finish talking to you now, I'm heading off to Ennis. Because I'm there, I'm there with the uh, concert tonight, so I won't see it. I'll get it recorded and I'll have a look tomorrow. And uh, uh, did you watch it on Tuesday? What have you made of it uh, so far this year? Oh, I did. Of course, I watched it on Tuesday. Um, I thought. Now, I'm going to be honest with you with this. Um, I thought that the the staging, the production on the staging, some somewhat overshadowed the the artist and the songs. That's, it was spectacular, but I think there could have been a little better of a balance. And also, the three presenters did my head in. I, I just didn't get those three at all. I mean, think about it. You've got Italy, a country full of the most handsome and beautiful men and women, beautifully dressed. And those, I don't know why they picked those three presenters. For me, it didn't work. It was disjointed. It just, it just, just didn't flow. All right. Okay. I thought maybe we'd get a kind of an assessment of the music. It seems to be more that the presentation of the event was the issue, was it? No, it's not an issue. No, I just thought it was spectacular. There's no question about that. But I just, I just felt that it overshadowed the the, the mm. actual singing. Uh, when it comes to the singing, I mean, a lot of the speculation is that you know the Ukrainians could have sat up on stage and kind of banged a few drums for 30 seconds and, and they'd, they'd walk away with the prize this year, uh, given what is happening. Well, well, know, what, what's know, your own I know, assessment? Kieran, and, and it's, no, it's, that's, that's what the talk in the street is, that they're going to win. But you know something, that, that, that takes us back into politics again, because music and certainly Eurovision should, should transcend anything regarding politics. And regardless of whether, how sorry I feel, I'm actually heartbroken for the Ukrainian people, but I just don't think it should win on a sympathy vote. Should it win on merit? Were you impressed by the Ukrainian song? No. I, no, 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 not many people were. No. <laughs> Um, like given it's it's kind of apolitical then, and we you know it, it shouldn't be involved. What have you made of the Russian exclusion? Well, rightly so. Yes, absolutely. But I tell you something, Tony. Here we go. You see, the the people who hoped to represent this Russian this this year in Eurovision, they're probably just jobbing musicians like myself. You know that there's nobody has said they're actually involved in what's happening in Ukraine or sympathetic with what's happening in Ukraine. So I feel sorry for them because that huge platform has been missed. And next year, God knows what's going to happen. I mean, are we? Are, is there going to be peace between Ukraine and Russia? I just don't know what's going to happen. But I do feel sorry for them for those musicians. We have to, and I mentioned it at the start, I mean, that the the anniversary, a certain anniversary that occurred uh, this week, uh, 30 yeah. years, 30 years since 
Yes, and it's, it's gone past in a flash, I have to say. You know, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's like yesterday. And I, I'm very aware that it is 30 years. And I, until it goes on street care, and I wasn't even thinking about it, but when I started getting messages, then the bell suddenly started going. You know, I realised what, what was happening and why the messages were coming through. But it's, it's gone past in a flash. It really has. Uh, can can you take us back then thirty years ago to maybe not necessarily to the night we'll get to the night but to, to the build up I mean you know we did we didn't have semi finals certainly not televised as far as I know anyway we didn't have semi finals at all yeah you're absolutely right well you see there were only twenty five countries in it anyway that's right and that's that's a really short program but obviously you know that this these last few years there's been I think it's forty three countries you know so obviously that's why they split it up. But um, for me, it was just you do the the heat here in, in Ireland and we we had the final in the Cork Opera House, which was a tremendous night. And um, then you go off, we went off and it was only one week then. We just went off to, to Malmo for the week and you do your rehearsals on alternate days and the, the city welcomes all the Eurovision participants and you walk up the red carpet. And in, the, in that case, that year in Malmo, that one of the castles had been opened up and we had we had royalty there. We had prime minister. It, it was unbelievable. I remember strawberries dipped in chocolate and gallons of champagne. <laughs> and it was a tremendous event. I mean, it really was up market. And was there much? And, and I appreciate you were in Manmo at the time and there wasn't the same connectivity 30 years ago as there is today. But had you any sense of the excitement or how much excitement was there? you know, in the early 90s, in the weeks uh, leading yeah, up, or the days yeah, leading because, up. Yeah, because, I mean, when you think about it, um, to get out of doing one-night stands, singing in a band in Ireland, and try and get yourself into Europe, you need a platform. And that platform is the biggest in the world. I mean, think about it. Um, uh, Saturday, this Saturday night, there's going to be somewhere in the region of 300 million people watching in. And it's just, that's in your mind. You know that there's somebody out there who's going to, possibly offer you work whether it's tv work festival work doesn't matter and it, i just i just needed it so badly and i mean you you had kind of gone on, on something of a journ'y to get there in the first place you you how many yeah. times how, how many times kind of between kind of on your own and, and with bands had you entered the competition oh jesus i think i think it was about seven times but you know put it this way um andy murray who eventually won wimbledon as a tennis player how many times did he try? God, that's a great and question. A footballer, if a footballer doesn't score a goal in the first match, mm. do you get rid of him or does he keep on trying? You know, it's you just have to in show business, it's I just think it's such a difficult industry to be working in, and you have to keep knocking doors. You just have to keep on and on and on. You have to be relentless, really. Did did it get as an industry though? Did it get much easier for you, or how much easier did it get after Eurovision? When when suddenly uh, you had been on that stage? Yeah, listen. Afterwards, I was able to get off the road. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to keep a band on the road because it wasn't in the country. You see, you disappear to Europe, and you literally just go from country to country for about six months as they promote the the record, and everybody takes it um, just advantage of the winner being part of the festivals, and it. It, it was just magic because when I eventually, when things eventually settled down and we started doing more recording and things like that, and then we, I went into the corporate end of things. So I was doing, I could be doing a corporate in Monte Carlo, then a corporate down in Clare. It didn't really matter, but it was a different way of working, not night after night after night. 
And what, I mean, say when you say corporates, I mean these are kind of smaller, intimate gigs organised by you know big companies. Is it? Well, no, I wouldn't know. They're not small or intimate. No, no, I'm afraid not. No, the these are massive productions that are put on, and it's it's just a different way of working. Europeans just deal with things in a different way, and we could we could have been working in a castle. And in actual fact, where I was in Monte Carlo was the Café de Paris, you know, the very famous one, mm. which is always in the movies and where all the movie stars go to. And that the room that we were performing in, and there was other artists on, there was Compare on, obviously, there were dancers on. These are big shows that they put on. And you, like you've been working towards this, are, are certainly dreaming of this type of life. You, you know, that there's no other explanation for entering the competition so many times. This is what you wanted. Yeah. At the same time, did did you miss the old life at all of kind of of gigging on the road with a band? No, Kieran, that's easy to answer. I missed I missed working with the musicians because you suddenly you find yourself on your own with musicians provided for you uh, wherever you happen to be working. And all right, they do the rehearsal and everything. There's no problem with that at all. Or you can send music to them, but, you know, but um, I, I did actually miss the camaraderie with work, working with the guys on the road. But um, being on the road, no, I didn't miss it. And listen, Brooke Scullion and others w- w- would love to follow a similar journey. Do, do you think... In Ireland, we, we started to maybe, and maybe it's because we haven't had success, it's just a reaction to it. People have started to look down their nose a little bit at the Eurovision. Well, you always get the sneerers anyway, but those same sneerers are going to be watching the votes coming in. <laughs> you know, and I always, I always say to people, especially somebody that wants to get into show business, you're never going to get a bigger platform than the Eurovision, but... You need experience, I always feel, to go into it. Either you've come up through stage school, um, you've been singing, you've been performing in amateur productions or something like that. You need some form of experience because if I could sort of explain it better, just just say kids are appear, young people are appearing on The X Factor or Britain's Got Talent or whatever that happens to be. But a lot of the times they've just been singing in their bedroom. Suddenly they enter a competition and they may or may not win. And if they win, suddenly they're expected to know everything about show business, how to deal with people on a stage, how to use a microphone, how to sing properly through a microphone. It's, it's something that you, you need an apprenticeship for. If I was going to be a plumber, I couldn't walk in tomorrow and get a job doing whatever, working with pipes and things like that. You have to have the few years experience behind you. Do you, do you think, um, or, or do you subscribe at all then to this idea that the reason we haven't won it in so long is, you know, because of kind of political loyalties when it comes to voting? No, not, not all the time. You do you do get little ones that you can say, ah, oh, well, Ireland's not going to vote for the UK or the UK is not going to vote for Ireland or, or Cyprus and Turkey will vote for each other. There's all different things that happen, but I always think the cream rises to the top. So eventually, when we get to Saturday night and um, you you have the top 10 people in there, there's going to be definitely the 10 best songs. Had you... Great singers. Had you any sense back in in 1992 
of of how successful we were, we like we were going to be. Like, was there you know was there any kind of sense of momentum behind you that you thought you know what I'm kind of breaking the dam to degree? I know you were the first winner, of course, not like we Johnny Logan and others, but um, you know you you were the start of this real streak of success. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, no, was there any no, sense I, of that? I, no. I, no, absolutely not. You, you see, you would, I wouldn't have known that, that Neve was going to come the next year. There's no, because if you just say she hadn't had the great song that she had, well, then she wouldn't have won the national song contest. So you've no way of knowing, and I certainly didn't have an inkling of that. I didn't even have, have an inkling that I was going to win, never mind. Well, when did um, the Eurovision first come on your radar as a kid growing up? When Dana won, now, Dan is Dan is a great buddy of mine. In fact, we we are all good buddies, all of the Eurovision winners. But um, I remember Dana winning. And do, you have, I just sorry, thought, do you have a big WhatsApp group? Pardon? Have you got a WhatsApp group? The Eurovision winners. Ah uh, no. Ah, Linda, that would be great. Now that would be great. No, you should no, set we, one up. We don't. You no, should we, set we, one we, up. We. <laughs> I don't know about that. We just did. Um, a fundraising concert in the Pro Cathedral two weeks ago. And um, I had all the Irish winners. We had a beautiful choir and it was just a huge, huge, huge success. And it just goes to prove that people want those old Eurovision songs. It's nostalgia. Um, it, th- there's sentiment involved in it. There's romance involved in it. And we packed out the Pro Cathedral singing all those songs. And everybody knew everyone from Puppet on a String to mm-hmm. our own hits, right back to um, uh, Tutte Reconnetra and all of those things. Just amazing songs. You know, so there is that camaraderie that we get together and we do this in different countries as well. And it's usually for charity when we all get together. So say for instance, we were doing it in Sweden. Well, not only ourselves would be there, but they'd bring in um, Swedish winners, not Abbott, I have to say, but they'd bring in Swedish (laughs) winners to take part in the fundraising. So it's just, it's great and it helps that we're all actually good buddies. But to go back to your question, when I saw Dana winning, uh, I wanted to do it. I knew that was for me. And was there much music in your house growing up in Belfast? Um, on on my father's side, my, my father's side, um, the, uh, there's an Italian there. Yeah, your your name all... should be Linda Martini. Is that right? Yeah, it's Lazzaroni Martini, as as I found out. <laughs> anyway, uh, my um, my dad and his brother were trained tenors. They, they never did professionally now, but they played piano, drums, banjo. Um, my aunt played bagpipes. Another aunt was a singer. So in my father's house, uh, quite a big family. And there was always a racket coming from there, whether it was people learning scales or um, people playing bagpipes or something like that. But that's where that's where it all came from. My mom, my mom was an only child and there was no music on her side at all. And 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 in Belfast when you were growing up, I mean, yeah. How much of a spectre was the, the troubles? Maybe came kind of a little bit later in your teens, really, and kind of in earnest when they kicked off. But I mean, was that much of a backdrop to your upbringing? Um, well, to a certain extent, whenever I mean, I grew up and um, and then the troubles started. And um, lucky enough, I was never involved in it. I didn't live on that side of the city. So I was lucky from that point of view. My parents were absolutely not involved in anything. And remembering growing up, anybody was welcome in our house. It never mattered, colour, creed, nothing. 
So that did, that did, that didn't actually come into it at all. And then um, by the time I was about eighteen, I'd started moving to Dublin anyway. So most of my time was spent down here. And how how different? Like when you would then say when you're eighteen and 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 and. 18, 19, 20, you're spending most of your time in here, you're off Belfast and the troubles have really kicked off at this stage. I mean, was it, was was yeah. there kind of a developing sense of like, you know, these are completely different worlds all of a sudden? Well, yes, absolutely. Because like, like I said, you're beginning this conversation, music should never be involved in politics. So I was off gallivanting. And of course, at that age, you think the, the, the world is your oyster, you know, nothing bothers you, you take everything in your stride. So it wasn't, it wasn't on my radar. And we did actually work north and south until until the Miami disaster and then that was uh, we stopped we never went back and worked in the north after that but just out of a sense of safety personal safety you felt you couldn't absolutely yeah absolutely did that that did that shake you it was harrowing it would it was I remember I was woken up, the telephone, Now we didn't have mobile phones then when that happened. I remember the phone in the apartment ringing and I got up to answer. This was about, it must have been about six o'clock in the morning or something like that, was somebody telling me the news that the Miami, had, what had happened to them. And of course we knew them. And you, ju- you just think, and then, oh, it, it could have been any of us, but that finished off the, the travelling to, to the north. Uh, to, to what extent, I, I mean, despite the fact that... Uh, you know that the violence and the troubles had 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 kind of uh, worked their way into the musical world. To what extent was music and and what you were doing and traveling around and gigging and playing with bands? To, to what extent was that a kind of an escape, maybe from all of that reality? No, not at all. No, I just got into show business accidentally. I wanted to do veterinary medicine, and um, I, I I saw an ad in the paper for. Um, a girl to sing it in a, in a group. And up to that, all I'd done was sing in the church choir. That was it. But I was looking for pocket money, to be absolutely honest with you. So I was full of courage. I went along to the audition and lo and behold, they hired me. And in case you're thinking, suddenly I started doing gigs night after night. I didn't. Um, this was like for a Saturday afternoon. And I remember I earned a fiver. Now, back then, a fiver was a lot of money. So that it just got, I just got accidentally into it and then got wrapped up into it. Of course, I finished school, veterinary medicine went out the window and I went professional and then that was it. So, so an, an, an accidental music superstar. That's who I'm speaking well, to. Well, I don't know about superstar, but yeah, you, you could accident- be Linda Martin, veterinarian, sitting at home watching the Eurovision tonight. I could be with um, thousands of animals. And yeah, I, I wager you'd, you'd be ha- you'd be happy as Linda Martin veterinarian. I'd say, would you? <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> when the pressure's on, now sometimes I think, Jesus, why the hell didn't I just study? But anyway. Well, listen, uh, we listen. Uh, I was going to say, I hope you enjoyed the semi-final tonight. I hope you enjoyed the gig tonight in Clare, and I hope you enjoy watching the semi-final back uh, tomorrow morning. I, I dare say you'll know the result by then, and fingers crossed that Brooke uh, will yeah, make it through she to the gets final. Through because think about her, she's only 18 or 19. That She has had a good bit of experience in The Voice UK and things like that. She can sing. She She's a songwriter, obviously, because she co-wrote, co-wrote this song. And I just wish the best for her. But when you think about it, that's her platform. And hopefully somebody will see her, a manager, a promoter, maybe somebody in a European record company. You just don't know, but I wish her all the best. And listen, before I leave you, Kira, um, Daniel O'Donnell, he's, who's a great pal of mine, is doing a fundraiser for me in the Pro Cathedral on Monday, the 6th of June. 
and it's at three o'clock in the afternoon and Daniel is coming into the Pro Cathedral to sing songs of inspiration. And that, when we, I say it's gonna sell out anyway and monies are going to Peter McVeary, who I have the utmost respect for. I think that man is an absolute saint and Dogs Aid Animal Sanctuary. So um, if you want to come along, feel free. You'd be very welcome. All right, sounds good. Linda, if anybody wants to go along, they are more than welcome and all of the proceeds are going to very worthy causes uh, close to uh, Linda's heart and Daniel's as yeah, well. Yeah, and you, you can get tickets, Kieran. you can get tickets on eventbrite.ie or in the Pro Cathedral office itself. But so right. Daniel fans, come along. Come along, young and old. Linda Martin, an absolute pleasure and enjoy tonight and enjoy the semi-finals and enjoy the finals this weekend. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Kieran. Take care of yourself. And for everybody at home who's going to be watching the semi-finals as well, I hope you enjoy it uh, too. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.